All right, Ash. So I guess other question I had is, how did you go from? So you're obviously working in the mining industry as a um, on the production side of things. So you then went to a service provider where you're providing some solutions to the industry. What was your next step? So with this OEM where I was product and and salesperson, I was involved in promoting a product that used to analyze the real time condition of a large machine, and I was fascinated by that machine. I thought that this is the way to go for this industry. Not only one machine. Why? Why are we installing it on just one machine? Why not on every machine? And why not every machine is connected, and and we get some real time information how to optimally operate the machine and manage this machine. And from where I was, it was a slow industry. It was a slow company, and I needed some some external perspective. And then I thought, okay, let let me just take a break from my career and. Pursue some higher education, so I I joined Stanford Graduate School of Business to pursue my masters. As luck would have it, I started working on a startup that applies predictive analytics on the mining industry. We started working with a couple of mining companies, but that was like a it was successful startup in in a sense that we got we were we were approached by Sequoia Capital and other major investors, those who wanted to invest in the company. But when I started working on it, I found that the customer acquisition cost is too high. the The opportunity size in the mining industry is too big to be dealt by a small startup. It's too big a thing. I guess one of the things that you mentioned, which is really interesting, is that you realize that the problem you're solving could not be really solved by a startup. I, I see it now, and I I laugh at it that when I used to pitch to VCs, I used to say that, "Hey, I'm solving." A five billion dollar problem, and they used to get impressed by it. And when I joined Uptake, we say that we are solving six hundred and forty-seven million dollar problem, right? So this is the difference of scale. This is the size of the opportunity, and I am very proud of myself for making that decision to pause my startup and join this company that is kind of transforming almost all the industries by using the data that is already there. Hi, my name is Ahmad. Hi, my name is Steve, and welcome to Exploration Radio, a podcast focusing on the past, present, and the future of exploration. In the past few episodes, we've provided different perspectives on the topic of innovation and disruption in the mining and exploration industries. We continue that discussion in this episode by chatting to Ash Agarwal, who joined us via Skype from Chicago. My name is Ash. and i am the director of mining at uptake my job is to find solutions in the mining value chain that relate with asset health drilling and blasting optimization process optimization mine planning and the entire value chain to make the mining more sustainable more productive safer and cyber secure what were the lessons that you learned by being a startup in the mining industry so like what were some of the positives and negatives so in terms of lessons it was an amazing journey that i, I took and there were some good points and there were some some bad points in terms of good points a startup like any other startup it gives you a, a deep dive and it forces you to learn everything product management computer science marketing sales you are everyone so that's a great learning opportunity but in terms of limitations we were limited by staff we did not have enough bandwidth 
to reach out to companies and to deliver them on time because the sales cycle in the mining industry is definitely long the layered decision making makes the the sales process lengthy and you burn cash on doing so this is unsustainable business model for startups and after joining uptake i realized and and saw some startups in australia in in canada and america they they're facing hard time because of this sales cycle and and the and the cash flow let's elaborate on that point a little bit so do you think that mining is then a suitable candidate for uh, digital startups in general i cannot say that but we need a right size of capital at the right scale so uptake my current employer they started a startup 3 years back but they scaled rapidly and they targeted real big problems so they started big and they are doing great things a small startup raising like 5 million dollars or 10 million dollars of venture funding might not be able to sustain that long cycle that i was talking talking about so i think that's a really interesting point so the scale can be a limiting step not just the scale of investment but the scale of the problem that you're trying to solve as well would that be a correct way to say absolutely and that's a very good point that i mean apart from the funding limitations or apart from the cash flow limitations the expectations from the customers is that an external party a third party or an outside provider they give you a comprehensive solution that can solve the end to end value chain problems rather than a point problem they said before i was only solving a 5 billion dollar of downtime problem but the problem is so big i mean i can avoid one startup can avoid or prevent downtime of one pump but then there are hundreds of pumps then there are hundreds of other machines who is going to solve that and if there are other startups who are who are working to solve other problems how the customers are going to integrate those startups so their job would be to just manage a couple of startups that are solving different point problems rather than one single company doing the end to end digital transformation and this is what the industry wants in the previous episode on disruption with gavin yates we talked about that maybe one reason that the mining industry fails to innovate is because of the lack of an integrator a company that would sit between mining companies and service providers and ultimately would take on the task of making sure that solutions created by service providers are actually best set up to solve problems faced by the companies without them the solutions being provided might be too narrow focused or not ideally set up to help the company or just not at a stage where they can be used effectively this integrator would serve as a circuit breaker that we need now we all seem to agree that there are no integrators in mining but what about outside of mining surely there are companies in other industries that serve the function of integrators and are assisting in transforming companies and industries as well The reason why we decided to talk to Ash is because Uptake, the company he works for, is helping other industries digitally transform. So could they do the same for mining? Let's find out. All right, so now you you've made a couple of comments about the industry, so let's um let's go on that tangent. So do you think the mining industry currently is a laggard when it comes to utilizing technology? So uh yes I I would say that the mining industry uh as compared to other industries has been slow in adopting the technologies from outside 
And if you see mining as a business, the only reason that this business exists is to deliver economic value to the stakeholders. And when mining companies cannot control the price of the commodity, they focus on the cost because that's the only parameters that that they can control and that can help deliver more value to the stakeholders. And there are several cost elements that they're trying to solve. Labor cost, electricity cost, water cost, or royalty to government. While the other parameters might not be in their control, the labor issue is something that they can do something about it. For example, in Australia, the biggest challenge is to have high-quality skilled labor deployed onto remote sites that are maybe in deserts or maybe in mountains. They solve this problem by by having autonomous vehicles. They solve this problem by having remote operation control. So in terms of technology, mining solved some of the problems that were point issues, and they were highly successful with that. I mean, autonomous vehicles in mining were way before the autonomous cars by Google or Uber, right? But we can make a general comment that mining, as compared to other industries, is definitely slow in adopting new technologies. Can I get you to comment on why you think that is the case? Like, is it uh, is it an awareness problem or is it um, like a cultural problem in companies? You know, is it a structural problem in the industry? What do you think is the main kind of reason why companies tend to be so hesitant to adopt these technologies? Those are great points that you raised. The awareness, the culture and structure, all three of them. And I'll touch upon that and I'll add that. There are two more issues apart from awareness, culture, and structure, and that are success and failure. So I start with the awareness thing. So mining companies are typically in a remote location. Their workforce is highly local, uh, highly specialized in their own function. You see PhDs operating the machines, operating the plants, or operating the mines, highly specialized in their function. And they have spent 20, 30 years doing the same job every day they are not necessarily exposed to the external environment and the innovation that is happening in the parallel industries like manufacturing or oil and gas. Second is the cultural issue is that the people who are there in the company and they are actually a vehicle to carry out the innovation or they are necessary a driver of innovation in the company, they are not set up. They are not set up to change their ways. They have to be retrained. They have to be sent to kindergarten all over again and trained in a very different manner to be open, to be acceptable to technology. The third is the structure. Uh, and structure, is it could be a broad thing. I mean, all the innovation, it cannot be bottom-driven. Innovation is mostly or almost successful always is when it is top-driven, when it is driven by the top person, when they have a passion and commitment to it and they keep on stressing upon the importance of innovation, right? I think that's a really good point. So in terms of structure, how many mining companies have a chief innovation officer or chief technology officer and what power they assign to it? What mandate these teams have or what kind of budget they handle? What is the size of the team? What is the access to resources to them? So it's definitely a structural problem as well. I think that's an excellent point. Coming to the success and failure, the success thing is that the industry has been able to do things successfully. They have been able to do the same operation over the years for a number of period of time. And they are okay. They are satisfied with this. Why to change 
why to fix something which is not broken that, that's the thing and next point is the failure the failure is a big thing in mining mining is inherently a risky business when they explore when they decide to mine they are not sure whether or not they are going to get as much return as they plan to get right they may get high returns so they may get lower but not exactly the same because it's a risky business you never know only after processing only after getting the real metal you know that it is worthwhile or not and the risk of failure is paramount they have large machines they have large processing and they invest a lot of money to build a plan any mistake or any miscalculation can cost a lot of money to them so the cost of failure and the risk of failure both are high and that sometimes prohibits the introduction of new technology in mining so do you think that uh, innovation is more of an add-on rather than a fundamental part of mining strategy uh i would think so yes the innovation is kind of a an enabler to solve the problems that they face the maybe labor problem and power problem or some other problem that is local and they take advantage of innovation or outside technology to solve those problems rather than creating an innovative framework within themselves that can solve problems on their own so i guess i find that really um, interesting ash so you, so if we take the two aspects that you talked about success and failure they might be slightly unique to the mining industry but do you think the other problems of culture awareness and the structural way companies are set up or the industry set up is that unique to mining or or would you like would you care to comment that whether these characteristics are unique only to mining or are there other industries that suffer from that as well i would say that in terms of awareness culture and structure not all the elements are unique to mining some of them are definitely unique mining companies are essentially in a remote location a mine is where the mine is so you have to send technology they cannot have access to technology on their own unlike manufacturing they they have access to technology which is readily available the second difference that i see between mining and other industry is that if you can define manufacturing as a problem of productivity mining is a problem of variability right it is so complex it is so extreme conditions that makes mining a very uniquely placed industry in terms of culture that is created by their own people by their own situations but in terms of structure i think structure is always a need driven thing they make investment in creating a vertical that focuses on innovation only when it is economically viable in medium term to do so and mining has not been able to to see those short wins that can give a confidence to make an investment in creating a structure that supports innovation so is that a way that other industries have overcome the problem like have they had say more shorter term wins that have allowed kind of the the ball to keep rolling there yeah that's a great point uh, ahmed the, the other industries uh, i don't want to undermine their problems but i would say that they they solve a different kind of problem so if you compare oil and gas and mining or manufacturing and mining mining deals with solid flow a solid is difficult to measure a solid is difficult to maintain 
because you, you just cannot measure the flow. You have to measure the size of the rock, the geological composition of the rock, which keeps on changing all the time. The oil and gas people, they only measure the flow. Their problem is more or less quantified. It is more simplified in manufacturing where it is only a productivity problem. For example, Ford, when they started 100 years back, they were making one car in more than 12 hours. Today, they make hundreds of cars in just one second because they have a simple problem to, to break down one process into different tasks and optimizing those tasks. So they have pretty much standardized their operations and the entire organization and the entire industry can try to solve those pieces. But the mining problems are, are real. They are different and complex and they vary from one mining company to other mining companies. I think that's a fascinating point, actually. I've never really seen the problem phrased in that way. So I think that's a really, really good point. So you commented on this before, uh, that you think that the best way to impact change into a company is from the top down. What are some other rules of thumb for a company going through? Like, what else would you say? You know, is it is it better to go big at the start or go small at the start? Is it better to do it internally, externally? What are some like rough rules of thumbs you would suggest to companies going down this path? Yeah, I mean, uh, you hit very, very right points. Uh, there are different approaches and almost all the approaches are being adopted by mining companies across the globe. Some mining companies are doing it themselves. They have a team of data scientists, software engineers to take a look at the data, driving innovation. Other companies are partnering with small startups, engaging in hackathons and trying to solve their problems point by point. And some other companies, they are taking a bit more comprehensive approach by engaging with consultants and planning it big. So there are use cases around all these approaches. And based on, as I said, the focus and commitment from the top and the resource allocation, all these approaches might be successful based on how do you define success. But I would say that a collaborative approach where you can have your own core competencies and outside providers can have their own core competencies and you bridge them together and then try to solve the problem. That, I think, is a most effective combination and very effective way of dealing with the problem. And this has got a couple of advantages. If a mining company tries to solve the problems internally, they become so internal focused that it is challenging for them to calibrate themselves from what is happening outside. How do they benchmark? How do they upgrade their knowledge all the time? That becomes a, a challenge. Talent sourcing becomes a challenge because now the problems are more technology related and the, the talent pool is kind of limited and is accessible by the tech companies and mining companies as well. And as you know, mining companies are not in a great position to attract people away from Google or Facebook or like. So I would say that a collaborative approach where you can leverage both the competencies, the mining knowledge and the technology from outside should be a way to go. So just in terms of uh, whether the industry is aware of the need for change, in particular at the top level, do you think uh, senior executive management are aware or is it just at a technical level? I think that all the successful examples in mining companies are from those companies where the senior executives have taken an initiative and have taken a plunge into this problem and have aligned themselves in thinking from a technical perspective. 
So it's not like I'm a top person and I've created a separate department to take care of this. I don't have to look after this. But if it is driven by the top, it is more prone to deliver successful results. I would say that this is happening in pockets. Uh, there are mining companies who still see innovation or adopting technology as a fashionable statement or maybe an investor-friendly uh, way because the investors are asking what are you doing to innovate yourself or avoid yourself from getting disrupted by the tech companies or other companies, those who are adopting technology. So there are some companies, those who are just doing it because they want to convince investors that they are making best use of their resources. I'm trying to uh, look for an example from another industry. So for example, you know, like the pharmaceutical industry, I think has been really good in understanding that there is value in large corporations uh, outsourcing the research and development to small startups because they can be more competitive, uh, are more able to do it. Do you think in mining, we're still hesitant in that mindset? Are companies stuck in the model where they want to do things internally at all costs? And maybe that's uh, an impediment to why technology isn't adopted that readily? Yes, I, I think that's a, that's a very fair point. I would say that it's a unique strength with some companies and some industries that they are able to collaborate on innovation and they are able to maintain their IP and still do a vendor-led innovation very effectively. Procter & Gamble, they are a perfect example for this. Most of their innovation and new innovative products come from sub-vendors. And as you said, pharmaceutical is another example of a vendor-led or outside-led innovation. And in that sense, the mining industry overall, it, it needs to go a long way to have that outside-led innovation coming into it and accepting it readily. So I guess I'll, I want to expand on that point a little bit. So I guess I see uh, the value in something like uh, Uptake, the company that you guys are part of, in that you have IP in digitalizing essentially industrial processes. In my personal opinion, I don't think there's probably the understanding in the industry that you, know, you can have companies that can be valued purely by the IP that they have. You know, whereas in something like technology, I think that's very well understood maybe. Do you think that understanding has to change in the industry for us to start valuing that you know, companies, uh, the value that some startups might bring or some smaller companies might bring or some vendors might bring? Is that the IP they hold rather than purely revenue-driven or a value-driven proposition? Companies like Uptake, they, they have IP in terms of not only holding a technology that can deliver results, but also ability to deliver results, the speed that is required by the industry. Not only speed, but also taking cross-industry strength. What is happening in manufacturing, the data science model gets smarter. And those, this smarter model is then applied to mining industry, and then all the industries are able to take advantage of the cross-industry platform. So yes, the, the, this IP is definitely valuable in solving these, these problems. I think that's a really good point, and I think it's the application of technology that is really the IP that a lot of these companies provide because the technology kind of already exists out there. So I think that's a really, really important point as well. Broadly speaking, I... I kind of look at mining as a as a tinkering industry. You know, we tinker with what we do. We don't really change much what we do. I mean, if you went back to the start of, say, the 1900s and looked at a mining operation, 
you know, it would largely function the same way it probably does now, except now that we have bigger trucks, uh, bigger shovels, and probably more people. You, you mentioned like 100 years back. If you take 100 years back, what would it have take, it taken to produce one kilogram of copper? It would have taken 500 tons of raw material or ore, 75 liters of water, and almost a quarter of a kilowatt of energy. And in 100 years, in, in 21st century, if you have to produce one kilogram of copper, you would take 16 times as much material, 16 times as much energy, and two times of that water. And if you see, if you freeze the time, if you do some interstellar thing where there is some time warp thing and people come back after 100 years, as you rightly said, they won't find any change except the scale of operation. There were crushers 100 years back and there are crushers now. They only have gone bigger. If you ask an OEM, what's the latest in your product line? Where are you innovating? They would say, I'm making bigger crusher. I'm making bigger grinding. They are not trying to change the fundamental process, which is, to my understanding, is not very effective. I think that's a really good point. I often give this analogy that, you know, if you go back to the pre-iPhone era of mobile phones, a lot of mobile phone vendors were just trying to make the phone smaller and smaller and smaller. And then obviously a company made a different phone, which is uh, which had much better market penetration and market share. So, you know, like I guess I don't see a lot of mining companies doing that. We're all about doing the same thing, but just doing it more and more efficiently. And you could argue whether it is efficient in the end. That, that's a great point, Amit. So what does... Uh, the digital transformation of mining look like? I mean, what would stay the same? What would change? Yeah, do you care to comment on like some holistic observations in your opinion that would change? Yes, of course. Uh, if I, the way I see digital transformation is is the the transformation of business and organizational processes, activities, competencies, and models. The four things of business and organization. If these four things are transformed by leveraging digital technologies, we can say that this is a digital transformation. This is my understanding. And within this framework, if we try to scale, what would a mind look like if it has completely transformed itself digitally? And I say this with a caveat that digital transformation is not a destination. It's, it's a journey and it's kind of as Six Sigma people say, it's a way of life. But having said that, having arrived, what would a mining company look like is they would have solved their biggest problems. The problem of variability, the problem of productivity, the problem of high labor cost. So right now, the, the problem of variability is where to dig, how much to dig, and what to dig. It is highly uncertain. They make plans, but those plans are deterministic and static. They do not take real-time feedback. Productivity keeps going down because the old geology has changed. The grades are coming down. The distance is increasing. So when we have a digital mine, you don't have to have those kind of variability problems. The mining companies would know exactly where to mine, where to drill, how much to drill, and how to optimize the processes without involvement of people with tribal knowledge. So the performance of the plant would not be subject to the operator knowing more or knowing less. Correct? 
I think that's an excellent point. So it would be kind of an automated mine where robots are doing drilling or autonomous trucks are carrying material and the total processing is happening from a remote control environment by people having mining knowledge, but also understanding the value and importance of data stream and how to make sense of it. This is what I see that would change. What would stay the same will be the importance of people. And I would say not only will it stay the same, but it will enhance because the people will become so crucial, they would be handling much more work than they are handling now. They would be more crucial to the operation than they are now. Their task would change, their job description would look different, and those people would have different job title. Today, the demand is for a mining engineer having understanding of data. In a mine of the future, the job description could be a data scientist with exposure to geology or mining. I think that's a that's a great point. And um I guess one of the things that I that I like about it is that you know in the kind of the digital transformation, I think people miss the fact that um people are still important. It's just what people will do will change. You know, you'll stop doing repetitive, non cognitive heavy tasks, but you can now do highly irregular cognitive heavy tasks, which are not easy to automate. So yeah, at the end, like you're still going to have people, but it's just that people will will be allowed to be likely more effective in the roles that they are in. Exactly. Exactly. I think I think that's a very, very good point. And today, the the people are responsible for doing doing the repetitive tasks, the mundane tasks every day. And it's more or less the firefighting every day. The process engineer or a shift in charge is responsible for the upkeep of the plant and they do it like they're putting up putting off a fire. In the mind of the future, those people will still be there, but they will be focused on finding solutions, finding better processes and optimizing those processes even further and not putting up some, some fire. And I guess I, I think like you know like are you extend that analogy further. One of the comments you've made is that mining is a uh, is a price taker, it's not a price setter. And it's highly unlikely that kind of business environment will change anytime in the future. So right now, if we can't control that part of the equation, then companies should actually be using their their people resource or their cognitive resource to actually solve the problems that aren't related to that so they can make the company more and more efficient. And I think this is where the, the digital transformation will really help the industry. Absolutely. Uh- when you do not control the price, and as Reggie said, when I am a price taker, I am more involved in making myself better, excelling in everything that I do, and so that I am competitive. But I would extend a little bit on that point that in the mine of the future, the mining companies, of course, will not may not be a price setter, but they might have a better understanding of how the prices are going to vary. So they can adjust their production, they can adjust their grade or location based on how much price are they going to get from the market in the near future. I think that's a really important point. You know, like I think right now we are not very good at handling the uncertainty that that business structure provides. And I guess right now, if I look across in my experience, you know, we don't really have our best minds kind of working on the uncertainty problem. We have people busy, but they don't tend to be very effective in solving the overarching problem. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so th- these people, they are not challenging the status quo. They are part of status quo. They are the status quo. And they are just going around 
tiring themselves solving day-to-day challenges which they are not supposed to. The problems that should not exist, everybody is trying to solve those problems. And there are very few people, those who are trying to eliminate those problems. So you write there that the job description needs to change. One of the issues that I see is is our senior management. The people who are rising to the level of management don't have this awareness. So how do we recruit better or how do we change the awareness at that level? It's a great question. Uh, because when, when, when we say that the innovation needs to be driven by the leader and those in, these initiatives have far-reaching impact in the organization, and they have huge potential, we cannot have a leader who does not understand these impacts and who does not understand how to drive those innovations and how to make sure that the leader of the company is not only aware of those things, but understands and, and knows how to drive these. So so if, if, I, if I take you back like 40, 50 years, most of the mining leaders were promoted from managing mining operations. They were having high degrees in mining or processing. They used to be very effective mine operations manager, but the trend changed over a period of time and we started to have more business people managing mining operations. And some companies did an experiment of importing the mining executives from other industries like General Motors. And it was a highly successful experiment. I think there is an opportunity to have a tech company or a tech background person having keys for the mining operations. I think that's an excellent point, actually. I think um, through our uh, career, we kind of learn the same tricks from the same people. And I think having different people, maybe having a different view on looking at it, I think that's a really, really important point. Yes, uh, exactly. I think uh, you, you initially you talked about taking inspiration or, or learning from parallel industries and why mining is, is not very good in in doing that and one of the reasons could be that we have been recycling the talent from within there has not been a fresh air there has not been a fresh perspective in the industry from the top and i don't know but yes it could be a possibility of an an experiment having someone from the outside who has run innovation in some industries knows the tricks and trades and then that person leads the mine operation i I love it it's uh it's a topic that's come up several times in this podcast that perhaps the highest level problem is our lack of diversity and the concept that we're just recycling the same people and therefore not just recycling them within their jobs, but training the next group of people to be firefighters. And so we're just not getting anywhere. Exactly. When I was hired in, in a mining company, I was a trainee and one of the ask from me was that, Hey, uh, you're coming from an outside. You will smell the socks, the smelly socks, stinky socks, much better than our own people do. So find out problems and take projects and solve those challenges. And guess what? I did that for a couple of years. And then I was trained by people, those who have been a part of that system for 20 years. And eventually, in order to learn the tricks of the trade, the the new person or or an outsider, they, they get trained by the same people that they are supposed to change. And it doesn't happen because the people are recruited from a low level. And that raises the importance of this point that you need to change the people on the top so they can change the perspectives and outlook of the people down below, not the other way around. I think that's an excellent point. I mean, I think one of the reasons why 
yeah, like the status quo problem is so prevalent is for exactly that reason. I think the person sitting in a in a certain position of management, you know, they they don't really have the incentive to to change because if they don't have the skill set that the change requires, then they're going to be largely irrelevant. So you can understand why they are hesitant to change. Exactly. I mean, they, they, because they're sort of part of the problem. They're, they're not part of solutions. That's all right. Um, I think I think that was excellent, Ash. Uh, I think that was a great discussion. I really, really thank you for, for joining us because you made some excellent points and it's great perspective to get as well. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. It was a great experience. Thank you, guys. Exploration Radio is brought to you by Steve and Amart. Our producer and all-round go-to guy is Dan Hershowitz. This podcast is recorded at the Perth Music House. If you'd like to know more about Exploration Radio, check us out on explorationradio.com. Or you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. And as always, if you like this podcast, please review us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time, let's keep exploring. Ash, can you give us a little bit of, about your background? And I guess I'm really interested to hear how you arrived at Uptake and what path you took to get there. Sure. I have a long journey into to, to uptake. I did my mechanical engineering around 14 years back, and I was always very curious about how do they dig out material from the earth and process it and transform into the different metal, steel and copper. And I joined this this mining company, which was which was the largest company in India. And I worked there for six, six and a half years managing their operations productivity, reliability, production, and ore quality, and all that parameters and KPIs. Um, and it was such an interesting experience for me. And I, I can proudly say that I have a mining DNA because th- those were the formative years for me. But there were a couple of things that were always bothering me when I was working in that operation environment, that the management of processes, the activities, the management of people was so primitive. Either it was paper-based or Excel sheets, and it was not at all replicable. And people used to have tribal knowledge that if they are around, the operations are optimized, and if they are not around, the operation is not optimized. And I, I was so struggling to get an answer of this cultural and technological issue. And after six and a half years of this exciting journey, I, I thought of changing the sites, and rather than being an operator or buyer, I decided to join a seller. Uh, it was a leading equipment manufacturer for the mining industry. And I, I joined them as a, as a sales and product lead to develop products and sell them to the mining customers. And that was a really interesting experience for me. I contributed to development of some great products and also understood the, the problems of the customers, different industries from an altogether different perspective. Yeah, so, so Ash, I guess I, I want to interject there. So did you feel that um, you had a better chance to do kind of development outside of mining companies as a, from a, like a service provider point of view rather than the company itself? Uh, yes, I, I think that, yes. Uh, when I was within the mining operations, I thought that I'm crippled. I thought that I do not have necessary tools 
to perform my job and there should be something that exists outside of this my sphere and i wanted to explore how this world looks like from from an outside perspective and when i took that perspective i realized that some challenges are universal across mining be it iron ore mining be it lead zinc mining small mining company large mining company doesn't matter and there are some challenges which other people have been able to resolve and as a solution provider as a service provider I was able to alleviate some of those pains myself and i i felt yes i am i am in a stronger position i guess i i find that really interesting that you say that you felt uh, crippled to some degree um i mean i find that really fascinating do you think it's because uh your day-to-day job at that point didn't have uh, a requirement i mean i guess were you like more driven by cost and volume or uh some other metric rather than actually making things uh better yes uh, so as a part of my job description or my, my role was to optimize the cost of production the the quality of the concentrate that we were producing and the production quantity the production rate and all these activities all these targets were dependent on how do we manage our day to day operation of upkeeping the products making sufficient inventory assigning tasks to people and changing between the shifts and it so happened that all those activities of recording the processes recording the activities assigning tasks they were all paper based from if if i see it from today's perspective it was primitive at best and i was so helpless that th- there is no solution i used to ask people hey is there any better way and and i ha- i had no answers so that's my definition of being crippled <laughs> 